And I remember yelling at them. I was like, give me my baby back, motherfucker. She needs my skin right now. I was so into it. I, I call it, you know, for myself, it was a, the, the greatest meditation I ever had. You know, and I had an, an incredible birth. But I think that each birth, we heal and we need to heal. And the Positive Birth Story podcast with me, Swedish midwife Wasa Holstein, is back on track again. Thank you for the wonderful emails that are coming my way. I'm absolutely ecstatic to know that the stories in the podcast help you to find your own voice in approaching birth. This is what this podcast mission is all about. Thank you. In this episode, we will meet Chrissy, a badass woman that I deeply admire. She's the founder of New York-based Maha Mama and also the mother of two strong girls. In this episode, she will share her very diverse birth stories, one hospital-induced birth and one home birth. This is a podcast with women for women. So, Chrissy, I welcome you to the Positive Birth Story podcast. Thank you. And we're in the hotel room that I'm staying in in New York. Yes. And there is a lot of noise surrounding okay. us. But it is New York. It's New York. Yeah. And you're the mother of two and also a prenatal yoga teacher. Yes. And the founder of Mahama Mama. Mahamama. Mahamama. <laughs> Mahamama. Mahamama. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. I I founded Mahamama um, for women who are waiting to be, wanting to be, or who already are moms. And um, the focus of Mahamama first began because I, I felt a need for a prenatal yoga teacher training that combined the spiritual and the anatomical. There really wasn't in the city one that did do combine that and an activism piece that was missing. So um, that's what Maha Mama is about. And then from there, I've blossomed a few other offerings. I, along with Catherine Ulrich, do a mommy and baby teacher training. And I do urban retreats in the city and any city that will have me. Um, that includes fermenting vegetables and yoga and radical self-care, uh, conversations around um, mindset, growth mindset. And we offer free yoga in New York City. I'm an advocate for for women. And I had this interest about birth and women. Have you always had it? You know, when I was 20, I saw a birth underwater. I just, there was, there was, I was pulled to it. I was like, that's what I want. I want a peaceful birth. Oh, like, she's not screaming. I had never, ever, ever in my life had seen a birth that didn't involve, you know, screaming at the partner and like, you know, the red face and the sweat and the pain. Of course, a birth is, a ma- any transition is going to bring on pain. So let's just throw that out there. Like it's, it's a transition. <laughs> it's a massive transition. And we need to, as moms, be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And so you can't be prepared by, you know, not going through perhaps the pain. And the pain comes no matter what. If you skate around it, if you think you're skating around it or not, it just, it will come. We just need to prepare ourselves for that. So what happened to you when you became pregnant the first time? Well, I had no idea anything. I called uh, my friend and she's like, call this OB. 
And I met with the OB and I said, I want a midwife. And she's like, well, then you don't need me. And I said, oh, I don't need both. I don't have to have an obstetrician. And she said, no. And, and so I, I wanted to give birth in the birthing center because I knew that I wanted that type of birth. But, um, in New York City, there's only, there's no freestanding birthing centers. There's only, there was only one attached to a hospital at the time. And, uh, there, there is one freestanding in Brooklyn. But I lived in Manhattan, and this was pretty close. So I was like, this is a great option. I choose the midwifery practice within that, that you know, um, birthing center. And it, it, it was great until I, you know, risked out of the birthing center. What does it mean to risk out? Yes, well, you have a lot of hoops to jump through. In, the ca- in my case, um, at the time, you had to give birth within a window. So it was three weeks before. So you can start contracting at 37 weeks. When pregnancy is full term, 37 37 weeks, which is, yeah. Zero days, yeah. If if you do Mm -hmm. begin spontaneous labor at 37 to, it was five days post date. Perhaps it was three days post date. It was, so I think it was three to five. Date. Yeah, yeah, very much yeah. rounded you. Yeah, date. you cannot go over your mm-hmm. due So date. very strict. And very then you strict. have to be healthy and have a normal and well, low risk pregnancy yeah. and all of that. All of that, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you risk out for almost anything. I have, uh, in my prenatal yoga teacher training, I have Abby Epstein, who created the business of being born, come and speak to everybody. And she said, there are places in Texas down south, all over the U.S. that are really being progressive in their birth and, and, and OBs communicating with midwives so that they learn, you know. Did you enjoy being pregnant? I loved being pregnant. <laughs> this is funny. I peed on a stick. I, I got pregnant. I went to the wrong yoga class that I would never recommend anyone go to. But I didn't know. And my kid's fine. But I, I didn't know. And I the, I think it was the next day or within like the next few days, I got on a plane and went to L.A. And I was like, I'm pregnant. I'm going to need to sit in the front of the plane. Like I kind of was like, I'm, I'm precious. I'm holding child. And I'm going to I'm going to take advantage of of being a princess for a little bit. <laughs> that That's the truth. So That's Did you get truth. that seat in the front? Oh the yeah. yeah, they were like, oh, excuse me, hold on a second, let me. <laughs> they were just they were like, okay. So you enjoyed it? Well, not just that. I, I there was just I remember a student said to me, "There's a grounding in you," and I I you know yoga changed my life, you know, very fiery person. I'm, uh, you know, and, and with fire comes anger. And I had lots of it. And what yoga did was show me that side and that peace. And what motherhood did was bring in some earth to smother a bit of that fire. Um, I love my fire. Now I embrace it. It it is why I'm an advocate for women and babies. It's why I do what I do and have such passion. But I've learned how to really harness that fire. 
by being a mom. So can you remember exactly where you were when your first birth started? I had two births. So the first birth was not spontaneous. I even wrote, my husband wrote, and we created a short film about our experience being overdue. Mm, Where can one see that? On my website, mahamama.com or thebusinessofbeingborn.com. It's on their website as well, which I highly recommend that movie, uh, especially for a New Yorker who's just about to give birth. But, um, you know, we, I, I did not want synthetic hormones pulsing through my body. In fact, I wanted, you know, I kept saying, like, I just want to grab a tree and go into the woods. But I also knew that, like, I was about to risk out. So there was a lot of kind of pressure building. Not very good for birth starting. Oh, dear. At all. It is the worst thing. And, you know, this the the way that the birth, the, the labor ended up starting is kind of perfect because, well, I had my husband on a schedule. I was like, we're going to have sex and then we're going to have spicy food. And then we're going to go for a walk. And then we're going to have sex again. And then I'm going to, you know, like do some jumping jacks. And, you know, like it was, it, it was so managed and... And forced in a lot of ways. Very unearthly. Well, it, it, you know, it it requires a, a surrender. I wasn't I wasn't ready to surrender, and I found out later my due date was wrong. Mm. When the baby came out, it turns out my due date was wrong, which I kept saying. I'm pretty sure that the baby's not ready yet. Like I don't I don't. People were telling me that I would feel pressure and. I don't feel that. And, you know, my midwife. Because there is always a risk of the ultrasound being plus minus one week. Well, for sure. And then also gestation isn't an exact science. Just like we don't, we all don't menstruate at the same time. We don't lose teeth at the same time. And we all have different lengths for our pregnancies. Totally. So some women need to be pregnant for more weeks than others. So Right. And the issue with this was a, a hospital birth, you have to follow the hospital guidelines. This was a birthing center attached to the hospital. So the midwife had to follow the guidelines. What ended up happening was I I did on the last day, I did you know my last resort which was castor oil and nothing happened. We're watching football. Nothing happened. She's like, have a glass of wine. Well, I don't drink, so I didn't have a glass of wine. And at midnight, she said, you have to come to the hospital. And exactly 42 weeks, she said, you need to come to the hospital. I said, well, I have something to do, which is what I had been saying. Like, You have to come in for the manual version. And I was like, well, I'm busy that day. Because okay, you didn't well, want to. You didn't, well, didn't want to come I interventions. Know. I just wanted to go as late as possible. Mm. Be- and and th- the reason why I wanted to go as late as possible is to give me more chance to have it spontaneously happen. But also because I just didn't I, – I, I kept feeling like, you know, just leave me alone. Like, this is going to be fine. So it was not spontaneous. I was pissed off. I picked up my car seat, and, you know, 42 weeks – my husband grabbed my bag. He was my boyfriend at the time. And we walked to 10th Avenue and hailed a cab, you know, 15 blocks north and walked into the hospital at midnight to get Cervidil, which is a bit of a like a suppository that is inserted, like a tampon. In the vagina, then, way back behind mm-hmm, the cervix. To soften the yeah. cervix. 
And you can pull it out if contractions becomes too intense. Right. Well, nothing happened. I mm. fell asleep. So I, I got a good night's sleep, which was great. And she, you know, that was, I, I feel like that was strategic and wise. At noon, she came and took it out. And she said, so in two hours, we're going to start Pitocin. And I am like pissed. Oh, I was so angry. Mm. And I wanted to unhook my IV and walk out of the hospital. Mm. I was ready to do that. And they were like, just go for a walk. And my best friend, I could cry about this because it was just, you know, serendipitous that she happened to be in the city. She lives in Mexico City. And she was here because, well, she was nominated for an International Emmy Award. Oh, my God. As you do. <laughs> and that night she had to go to get, you know, to see if she won. And um, But she came to sit with me. Oh. And the three of us, oh. I sat on the bouncy ball. Getting and, to shivers. <laughs> and she kept drilling me with questions. Mm. Us, like, how did we meet kind of questions. Because she never really, because we don't live together. So, you know, she gets... Reader's Digest versions of my life. And um, she made us laugh, which is what my short film is all about, like levity. Because it ends with a good punchline. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but it's, a, it's pretty funny. And we laughed. And all of a sudden, I started to relax. And surrender. And surrender. Mm. And I started contracting, and my partner you know, called the, the doula and the doula said, I'll, I'll come, I'll be right there. And she gave him great tip. She said, mark everything down, every contraction, the length, um, and, and the, the distance between each one. I'll be right there. And he had the New York Times and he's writing them all down. At some point, my doula came, my best friend left. I don't really remember the switch and my midwife showed up and my midwife kind of walked in ready for Pitocin. And my partner was like, oh, no, no, look, you know, here's the list. Here's everything that's going on. And she said, all right, well, let's monitor it for a little while. And I remember laying down. I'm going to cry again. I remember laying down and saying, imagine you're in labor so much that it happens. Like, that's how I talk to myself. And I had been practicing hypnobirthing. And so it was, for me, a bit of a visualization this surrender and it would come and it would come and my baby showed up maybe four hours later. Oh, that was really fast. It was super fast. Yes. This is the thing. This is my daughter. She will wait and wait and not really want to do it. And then once you give her a little nudge, she goes, same as the turning. I was doing cartwheels in a pool. I was flipping upside down. I was drinking juice and laying on my side. A mock Sebastian, uh, you know, um, chiropractic, uh, what, what is it called? Webster technique. I was doing everything. And then when, when the doctor came in to manually turn her, she turned in 30 seconds. He was like, oh, that was the fastest I've ever done this. <laughs> It's, I'm like, oh, great. In hindsight, I got to realize, you know, getting to know my kid, I'm like, oh, that's who you are. And I had an amazing hypnobirthing teacher who, when I was in a lot of fear about being late, about the turning of the baby, all of this stuff, she's like, imagine it. 
get crayons, draw it, put pictures up, you know, in your space, in your home. And so you're surrounded by these images. You will have the birth that you want if you do this. You know, to, and, and it wasn't exactly the birth that I want because I don't think anyone gets the birth exactly as they want. I mean, there were things in that birth that I had to forgive my midwife about. But she also was incredible. There was such an incredible moment where she said to me, Chrissy, and she just like, she was in my ear. I was, I felt so supported, so held. And she said, Chrissy, imagine on the next Rush, I want you to imagine the baby's head is moving down. On the next rush, my water broke. It was like I was, I was so into it. I call it, you know, for myself, it was a, the, the greatest meditation I ever had. You know, and I had a, an incredible birth. But I think that each birth, we heal and we need to heal. It, through each process, there is a there is a layer of past healings and beyond that, a deepening healing process that has to happen, and it happened for through both of my of my pregnancies and labors. How did you cope with the contractions? I was like I said, I was in a, a meditative place and. I remember, you know, not really, it didn't feel like pain to me. And I think because I read a ton of positive birth stories and I watched lots of births while I was pregnant, I really educated myself. And I knew through Ina Mae Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth what was happening inside my body, anatomically, physiologically. I knew that it was a dance. So I was in an ultimate surrender. And I remember my eyes were closed and I was very quiet. I would move my body. I would get super chill in between the rushes. And when the rushes would come and my body would seize and sort of clamp, you know, bring itself in, everyone around me knew exactly what to do. My husband put his hands on my shoulders, my doula pressed in my lower back, you know, um, essential oils, all of the things that, that happened. So it was, so I remembered, oh yeah. And then I got deep into my voice. Uh, I would, I would chant and ma, la, you know, our jaws are connected to our yonis. And so I would get super vocal and, and deep in um like an like you would watch an animal you know it was very animalistic but i remember thinking i can't take much more of this i didn't scream i didn't but i remember one one rush in particular kind of brought me forward uh over the bed like i was like oh was that when you went into transition that's think? exactly it yeah. i didn't know it and then all of a sudden i just started pushing and So uh, the body is miraculous, like right in that moment. I can't take much more of it. Oh, okay, gotcha. And it was like this dance. The mind and body and spirit were completely in tune. To live like that, you know, that distilled 
time in my life again would be a dream. It's like crystallized. I remember cracking a joke while I was pushing. You know, I don't remember what the joke was, but I just remember, you know, I remember it landing flat and then like, you know, saying like, I I can't even get a laugh here, you know. (laughs) Um, But there was... It, it was, it's, it's crystallized. There's, there's, I remember her saying certain things. Like I remember slowly opening my eyes and seeing my partner in his suit. You know, he was 26 years old. He had his suit on. He had a suit on because yeah. he wanted. It was his, his birthday. Exactly. Yeah. His, that's what his dad did. And, and he wanted to present the, his best self. And he wasn't really a suit wearer. Now he's a suit wearer, but he wasn't really a suit wearer when he was 26. But he put on a suit for his girl. <laughs> that is so sweet, isn't it? But I'd open my eyes and he'd be like, it was, I think about it like if I was to make a movie of this birth, it would be like dark. And then all of a sudden the eyes slowly open and he'd be, you know, thumbs up, smiling like, you got this, babe. And then I'd be like, close my eyes again, like back to dark because his enthusiasm and I love him for that. You know, it was, and and he wasn't, it wasn't annoying at all. Like, it was sweet, but it was like, not what I need right now. <laughs> like, thanks for being there. But, you know, I'm not going to high-five you right this. now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's just so encouraging and still is. Can you describe the feeling of the pushing sensation? Well, it's like taking a crap. Sorry to be so... Crass. <laughs> That's why we're here, right? <laughs> Let's tell the truth, ladies. It really, I mean, it really is like bearing down and... and. Um, Did you feel this power coming from all the adrenaline rushing out? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it wasn't necessarily my favorite piece. Because I, there was for me a little bit of holding up a bit because I didn't want to tear. How did you work around that, the fear of tearing while you pushed? You know, it's funny, the hypnobirthing course that I took with this person, she came to our home and she was incredible. I can't speak more highly of this woman, Penny. And um, she... She talked, she, she asked us to write out our fears. And I always talk about this with my students that in talking about your fears, you give air to them so they no longer create this havoc in our brains. So it's a matter of, of releasing them up into the ether and saying, well, they're just the boogeyman. And, um, so, uh, you know, I had a little bit of tearing. And it wasn't ideal. And the next birth, and I had done all the preparation, like massaging the perineum for that first birth. And I didn't do any of it. And I had a, I had a seven pound baby for the first one and tore and a 10, almost 10 pound baby for the second one and didn't tear enough to stitch. So the final push and your daughter comes out. Did you know it was a girl? I didn't. I didn't know what I was having. I'm, I'm actually, I, I remember her being taken away because of Marconium, and I remember yelling at them. Mm. I was like, give me my baby back, motherfucker. 
Sorry, am I allowed to curse on here? This is my podcast. Feel free. (laughs) (laughs) Give me my baby. And then they put a little hat on my baby, and I was like, take the hat off my baby. I got this. Just she needs my skin right now. So you got her back. I got her back, and it was magic. I remember my mom meeting her. Olive lifted her like she she wasn't super strong in the neck at all, but she kind of like lifted her head up and like like looked at my mom. And this was my mom had seen many babies. She has five grandchildren before mine. And but it was the first baby that didn't have any kind of um pitocin or epidural or anything. Like it was the this this was the first baby that um had been born naturally and she said like she had never seen anything like it. There was just an awareness in Olive. Um I don't I you know, I don't know. I don't think she's super special because of that, but I think that there's a connection between the two of them for sure. So you talked a little bit about this, but I'd like to ask you again. So what did the people around you mean for you during birth? I felt I felt held. You know, my my doula really supported me, but also supported my partner because he didn't know what was happening. He thought I was asleep, actually, mm. through through my labor. He mm. thought I was completely asleep. It, you know, it, I would wake up and then I'd fall asleep. But my doula would come in with essential oils to cut smells, you know, labor and delivery smells, <laughs> hospital smells. And my midwife just being right there. Like I said, my doula had never seen anything like it. She said, I never saw a midwife that in tune with the delivering woman. So would you say that um, the experience from giving birth to to children have changed the way you look upon yourself? A hundred percent. And in what way, you'd say? Well, I found my voice. I completely found my voice. I can't say that it happened like the birth and here I am with my voice because I was still studying and still going deep I I knew that I was changed, but I didn't know in which, which way I was able to go out and serve. And um, for me, the the piece that I that I got was, oh, I need to I need to teach more people about this because I was in the dark. I had no idea, and frankly, I didn't really ask. It's not like I was curious about birth. I had seen that one birth. And then I was like, when I get knocked up, I'll figure it out. <laughs> and that's what happened. I, so my my second birth was in the middle of the winter in New York City. And it was a home birth. And my midwife... And you had... Did you decide upon having a home birth after the first birth? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the reason why I didn't give a home birth, have a home birth in with the first birth is I didn't like my bathroom. And people said that you will labor in your bathroom. And no matter how much I scrubbed that tiny closet of a bathroom, it never, ever felt clean to mm. me. So I never... So I was like, oh, this is the best option. It's only... It's, you know, a 15-minute walk, frankly, you know. So we had already... We had moved into this new home. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm giving birth in this home. Uh, which Ivy, every time we walk past, she's like, I was born there. You know, her friends are like, wait, what? <laughs> that's 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 the place where I was born, oh. <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> so how would you say that giving birth at home differed from giving birth in the hospital? Oh, it's so great. I mean, that labor, it's funny because my second, everyone says your second baby is going to come faster. She was a longer labor. But I, I think it was because I was enjoying myself. I was like, I just, two years ago on on her birthday, we found all this footage from that birth because we had made the movie and he wasn't sure how the movie was going to end. And so he he would just lay the camera down and, and record me laboring. And so I have all this footage of me and I was in the bathtub. I was having lunch. My friends would come over, you know, it was phenomenal. And then my doula, I was a new doula who was my acupuncturist. And she at one point was like, let me know when you're ready. You know, let me, I could, I could shift gears here anytime. And she gave me some needles that kind of kicked everything into gear. It was challenging. And she was nearly 10 pounds, which is a pretty big baby. That is a big baby. Yeah. And uh, the circumference of her head was much bigger. It was, it was, that was, it was more intense. Did it amaze you that it took longer time? You know, I had a, a mantra. I have a few mantras. That one that I learned um, in my training, um, head down, cord free and clear. You know, when people obsess about, well, the cord's going to go around the head, the cord's going to go around the head. You know, just head down, cord free and clear, head down, cord free and clear, head down, cord free and clear. When you start getting in the anxiety, bring it down into, you know, repetition of sound. That's positive, right? And um, And mine was first contraction to head out five hours. I had done that in my first pregnancy. My sisters were like, yeah, right. Good luck. And she was six hours, you know, or, you know. So you're pretty close. I was pretty close. Yeah. I was pretty proud of it. I was okay with six hours. So for me, it was like, I, I knew it wouldn't take too long. Um, when it finally got to that pushing stage, that was intense. I remember my doula saying, you're about to meet your baby. And I, I remember saying, I, I'm not sure that it's worth it at this point. <laughs> I was not. It wasn't exactly like like a meditative movement through, you know, mind-body connection. Because I I was ready to jump out of my skin a few times. Some of those rushes were rather intense. But this this birth was interesting because my midwife would come in and and listen to the, with a Doppler and listen to the baby's heartbeat. And at one point she listened and it, the, the heartbeat was super fast and everyone in the room can hear it. And then she came back and she checked and it was super slow. Doesn't don't you know and we don't really think too much of it. I remember my partner saying, "Is everything okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, everything's fine. Just keep going." You know, the most calm woman. I mean, she was like sitting on my couch texting. <laughs> my mother watched, saw that. My mother was there. She wasn't supposed to be there, she, but she couldn't leave. Like she was like, if I get here and you go into labor, I know you're giving birth at home. I'm going to go see a Broadway show. Like I'm going to be in my happy place. Well, she couldn't even get down the block. She was like, I have to be back there. <laughs> but she's like, and I had no, I wasn't privy to any of it, but she was like pacing in my kitchen. Like, were you fine with having her there? I was. It was very healing for us. Mm. Especially the days, you know, following. Mm. Yeah, it was lovely. She wasn't in the room while I was laboring. I don't think she, she didn't want to be there. And, you know, we, we made that. We had that agreement. We were all good with that. 
my sister was there. She was watching my daughter. And then her daughter was there. So my niece was like my nurse. She wanted to study to be a physician's assistant. And I said, well, watch this movie and let me know if you really want to do it. And she did. And she was like, I'm in. So her face when my baby was born was one of like, like embedded in my brain. But so she checked the heartbeat and the heartbeat was super slow. And she was calm. And a little few contractions later, she checks the heartbeat again and there's nothing. And as calm as calm could be, she said, okay, Chrissy, on this next contraction, I want you to push the baby out. And she actually didn't even look at me. She just said it in a way that was so nonchalant, like, this is what you're going to do now. So my next contraction, I did what I had been doing, which was really push, but I was lifting up out of it. You held back a little bit. I was. Mm. The tearing, I think, that that fear and like, it was a lot. It It is so intense. And she pointed her finger at my face and she said, quit your moaning and push this baby out now. I just grabbed my partner behind me and Ivy, all I remember is Ivy flying out of me. It was like, it was that moment when you lift up a car off a child. Like you hear about, like, you know, you have that adrenaline and you're just like, and that's exactly what happened. And she came out and she was blue and she was still and she was face down, just flopped. And there was silence in the room. And she picked her up and she put her in my arms and she came over my shoulder and she started to give her mouth to mouth. It was calm. All I remember is thinking, oh my God, I gave birth to a stillborn. And then I thought my mother is going to kill me. (laughs) Which is Forgiving birth at home. Yes, yeah. Forgiving birth oh, at home. All that guilt. Oh. And my partner thought the same thing. My mother, not not my mother's going to kill me, but um, I give, we, we give birth to a stillborn. As a midwife, I can say for the people listening that a blue baby is a good baby. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Well, I don't think I, I, I think a blue baby in water is normal. Yeah, it's very normal. They're usually blue before they start to scream. A white baby that's all limp is not a good sign. Uh, blue babies are good. So she picked her up and she started to give her mouth to mouth and I watched Ivy take her first breaths. Mm. It's really moving. That mucky water. And it was a kiddie pool. Like I I was, after it was all done, I was like, can we save the kiddie pool for the girls this summer? Like with little fishes on it? Oh yeah. It's in the movie, Overdue, on my website. It's, It's there. You can see it. We blow it up. That was two weeks before I gave birth. Yeah. She uh, she showed up in a kiddie pool, <sighs> a kiddie pool that Olive, while I was while I was laboring, came and peed in. You know, that, you know, my sister was like, she wants to come in with you. I was like, have her come in, and she comes in, and you know, she my my sister said, should I get a bathing suit? So I was like, let her be in her birthday suit, you know, and she's in there and she starts peeing. <laughs> my sister's like, all right, now you can let's go. But but at one point, I said, Olive, mommy's going to ohm now. And the I just remember the entire room ohmed. And I remember her little hands following my midwife or my doula's hands to to press onto my lower back. She just pressed and she ohmed. Oh. And the whole room was ohming. 
You have me crying now. <laughs> <laughs> this is it is very brave to give birth like this. To really advocate for yourself and trust yourself and trust the process. And because women need that. We need role models. Yeah. And we need agitators. Yeah. So if there was to be one wisdom you'd like to pass forward to other women preparing for a birth, what would that be? The most important decision you make is your healthcare provider. And listen to your gut. If there's an inkling that your healthcare provider is not listening, is contradicting, is pulling bullying techniques, if there is an inkling of it in your in your visit, you will be sure that it will happen while you're laboring. Dismissing, you know, it it will happen in your labor. And so run. And, you know, don't feel like you need to people, please. You can change your healthcare provider. There are some amazing healthcare providers in New York City. So being a yoga teacher, um, why do you think that prenatal yoga is such a great way to prepare for birth? There's many aspects that being in community with women is so important and getting that practice being especially if if you're an isolator if you work really hard and you know your 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 time is either with lots of men or just you're you're by yourself or with just your partner being in community with women is essential and there are lots of circles popping and lots of uh, seeing the need for it, of being in community. Um, the, the other piece that I think is super important and valuable is the brain, mental stamina that you get. And we, th- we always think of stamina as in terms of physical, but it's not always. I mean, you do need to obviously be agile and, and, and strong. Uh, to a certain extent, not a bodybuilder, but you know, it's the, it's the mental stamina that yoga can provide. From helping so many women through the process of birth, I, I, I agree in everything you say. <laughs> and especially the, um, the mental part. Yeah. Because what yoga gives you is that, um, tool to stay in things that are not so comfortable. And where you'd rather run away from. Of course. And and, and, and the connection with the breath. Well, yeah. And I didn't even mention no, it because it feels, well, it feels so obvious, but it's not. No, it is the connection with the breath. And, and because if you hold your breath, it's going to be impossible to go through contractions because totally. they're going to be so painful. You're going to lack the sense of control. And there is only one way to gain control during birth, and it is through the breath. A hundred percent. Through the breath and through the surrendering to the power of the contraction. Yes, and the visualization. Yeah, yeah, and all those things together that yoga will give you. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your birth stories and your thoughts about womanhood and yoga and life. Absolutely. It is a true passion of mine. So when you asked, I was was so excited to come and talk to you. I I think that um, we change the world by changing birth experiences, a traumatic birth really has an effect on a child and uh, on the beginning stages of their lives. And so we get to change the world to have more and more peaceful births out there and positive 
birds out there. It's super important, and our society absolutely needs it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Positive Birth Story podcast with me, Swedish midwife Oasa Holstein. And thank you, dear Chrissy, from the bottom of my heart for sharing your personal birth stories and your life wisdom with us. And also for helping me get in contact with so many power women before my arrival in New York. Without your help, it would not have come to life the way it has. So thank you and love you. You have also provided me with my new favorite mantra, head down, cord free and clear. To check out what Chris is up to and to get more information on the important work she's doing, go to mahamama.com. Here you can also find her fantastic movie, Overdue. If you want to know more about me and this mission of mine to let positive stories come to life, check out the Positive Birth Story Podcast.com. Bye for now. <laughs>